This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Right from the very beginning, we find out in the historical time of the Bible, the book of Genesis, which means the book of beginnings, we find two young men born in the same family, And instead of celebrating their different giftings, instead of celebrating who they are, we find them comparing, even to the point where they allow jealousy and envy and frustration to come inside their life, and one killed the other. And we've got two people born on this earth, and you know what I mean? I'm thinking to myself, if I'm looking for friends in life, and the only one I have is my brother, I'm certainly thinking, man, what would, okay, and I can hold the alternative is, just because I feel like God loves you more than me, so I'm going to get rid of you? And, but that's exactly what happened. That's what history shows us. And then we're going to uh, read, in fact, if you would, turn with me to the book of Judges. And we're going to uh, read some historical moments. And probably where you're not really familiar with, we're going to talk about uh, so this tribe named Ephraim. Now, you can find uh, a little bit more about who they are in Genesis chapter 48, but we're not going to turn there. We're going to be in the book of Judges, and we're talking about you know, uh, hundreds of years later. And we're going to have two episodes of the Ephraimites. These are men, they're warriors, they're fighters. And they struggle with, there's a time to fight and there's a time not to fight. I'm, I'm kind of the same, I struggle a lot of times because I think if there's a motivation inside of me is I'm a, I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior. Um, in fact, I was sharing with a, a sister in Christ uh, just recently who we went through some real hardships. I go, look, if you're, I'm not a, I'm not a nurse or a doctor at all. I, I, I struggle with that motivation. And when I see the devil hurt somebody, I want to go beat the devil up. I don't really, I mean, and I, others around me, please help with the nursing end of it. Get the Band-Aids and, and covering, because that's not my gift set at all, all right? And so what I, I've learned, and it, guess what? All of us are differently gifted, and we need to celebrate who, who we are. I, I remember coming in a church, and uh, I mean, right after I got saved, I got saved at First Assembly of God in Grand Rapids, and right away from the very beginning, awesome church. Pastor Benson was just a great man of God and really led um, just that church family. But what happened is, is I thought, you know, this, here's, I'm in a perfect church. And maybe you're new here today. Can I just tell you something? The minute you walked in this place, you did not walk into a perfect church. Because there is no such thing because there's imperfect people inside the building. Amen. So there will be things that we say, there will be things that we do. There, if 80% of, of communication is body language, I will guarantee you some more place in time I will upset you through my body language. It may be something I didn't, you know, I did, or, or maybe you misinterpreted, but there's going to be something that happens. And so it's very important that we take the time to, first of all, that get our relationship with God first. Because let me tell you something, when you allow your life to surrender to God first, all the other relationships start coming into play, which means, you know what? They're going to go, well, Pastor Ron's not perfect. You're not perfect. And so when we have intersections, we're going to have many times this imperfect pass with each other. Amen? But I'm going to tell you something. If we put God first, then we can work through it. We can, have, we can be better together. But if we don't put God first, if we put ourselves first, well, then we're probably going to have moments like Cain and Abel. 
well, maybe we're not out there killing each other, but maybe through Facebook and maybe through other actions, maybe through body language, that we're saying things and hurting things and doing things we, we ought not be doing. Because we need to put God first. Because if you put yourself first, that means that there are areas of need that you have that I'm not gifted at. Or someone next to you, maybe your marriage. There are areas that you need in your marriage they're not gifted at. They're not strong at. And all of a sudden now you put your need in that relationship in front of God and God will meet all your, the Bible says that God says, I'll meet all your needs in Christ Jesus. He did not say your marriage can meet all your needs. Did not say your pastor can meet all your needs. Did not say your church can meet all your needs. He says, I will meet all your needs in Christ. Jesus can meet those needs. I will mess it up. You will mess it up. We'll become a hot mess if we go over there and put ourselves in front of it. So today, we're going to talk at looking at God being first, and then what happens when we put ourselves first. Now, the Ephraimites were not a part of the 12 original tribes of Jacob. They would, you might say they were adopted in. So you don't hear about the tribe of Joseph because Joseph all of a sudden has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Notice how I always say, in fact, if you hear it, it's always Ephraim and Manasseh. But yet, in chronological order, the way they were born, Manasseh was oldest and Ephraim was second. But yet, every time you hear the word and terminology, you always hear Ephraim and Manasseh. In fact, even to the point when Jacob prayed over them, prayed a blessing, he put his, in fact, they had said in that time, the patriarchs of that day, that there was the right hand of blessing. How many of you right-handed? Okay. How many of you left-handed? Raise your hand nice and Raise your left hand nice and high. All right. Um, struggle busting the Bible in this one, all right? The Bible says that there's, the, Jacob says, even the right hand of blessing was more powerful than the, the left hand. So all you left-handers, you st- raise your right hand. <laughs> so anyway, in that, in that struggle bus at that point, here's J- Joseph going, he's literally going, because here's Jacob, he's, he's blind, but in the spirit, he's not. Physically, we can be struggling, but spiritually, we can be strong in God. So here's Jacob physically struggling in his body. He's almost completely blind. And yet in the spirit, he goes like this because Joseph was very careful in putting Manasseh on his right hand and Ephraim on his left hand. And here's what what Jacob does. So we find out from, the, you know, from Genesis chapter 48, there's already something going on in the spirit realm. But just because there's an anointing on your life, just because God has a plan in your life, just because you feel a sense even today, God doing something great in your life, there are still steps of obedience that you need to do. It's not all up to God. It's you being willing and obedient with the Lord. Amen? And Ephraim... What we find out is right from the very beginning in, in the book of Judges, we find that they just hire people that are warrior and they just don't get along with others. Have you ever met people that are just really gifted? I mean, are just, I mean they just have, just seem like they, they really are smart and they know how to put things together and that they're just, not only there's the structure, but prosperity's in the path, but they just don't know how to get along with others. Let me just share something with you. God wants all of us. Now, some of us are more gifted relationally. My wife has taught me so much. I watched the Jesus in her, and I've learned so much from her. 
I'm a better pastor because the anointing of God in my wife. And I'm grateful. And she is a lot stronger in her process in her life because that's more of my anointing. I'm more strategic and more gifted in that area. So she's got, but we can learn from one another. She's never gonna carry the strength of that gift like I do, and I'm not gonna carry the strength of the gift that she does, but I don't compare. I celebrate. In fact, I had two of my grandkids run up to me, even in the service and the worship part of it, and let me tell you something, I've learned how to love those little kids because of her, even though the love was always there, but I struggled with the structure of knowing how. And then I just watched Brenda go, man, she makes it so easy. I can learn from her. So I celebrate her gift. I don't compare. Let me tell you something. If we're both in the room, those two are going to Brenda. Although I'm getting better. <laughs> All right. I do carry Tic Tacs in my pocket. That really helps the game. <laughs> But the point, point of it is, is that I've learned, and I don't, I'm literally not going to feel like, oh, you know what, I'm just a bad man, and I'm just a, a bad grandfather. I just really, I'm never going to, I'm, I'm not going to get in the wallowing of that. I'm going to recognize that, you know what, God has got a str- you know, real strong anointing in her life. Well, the, those, those people in Ephraim, the Ephraimites, they didn't catch this. In fact, we're going to capture this in the Bible. Turn with me to Judges chapter 8. Judges chapter 8. Then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon. Now, Gideon had just won a huge war for all God's people. And you would think that we should celebrate it or we can compare. Remember, there's the two words. We can celebrate or we can compare. Well, y'all out there today, we can celebrate or we can compare. So then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you first went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. Now, I love Gideon's approach. He's, here's this Brenda approach. He's just wonderful. I think I'm gonna, you're going to see me in a moment, all right? But here's Brenda's beautiful approach to these uh, Ephraimites, all right? But Gideon replied, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim harvest better than the entire crop of my life clan of Ebenezer? God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeb, the commanders of the Midian army. What have I accomplished compared to that? When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger subsided. Wow. I need to learn from that, all right? I need to learn because here's Gideon who won this battle, who faced this impossible odds. If you know the story, you can find it in Judges chapter 6. And he really struggled with insecurity. And he, instead of people really saying, you really got it done for us, Gideon. We're so for you. What we find is the Ephraimites going, why didn't you invite us in part of that so that we could be part of the victory? They compared. And Gideon, even in the midst of all of that, he takes that and he sees their anger, sees their frustration. They're full of nonsense. But he doesn't go over there and just say, look, you're just full of nonsense. You're full of yourself. You know, and we're going to read how Jephthah does that in just a moment. Okay, same group of people 60 years later. Okay, let's read from Judges. Again, we're going to go Judges chapter 12, 60, approximately 60 years later. Then the people of Ephraim mobilized an army and crossed over the Jordan River to Zephon. They sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you, does it sound like the same story? Why didn't you call for us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We are going to burn down your house with you in it. Jephthah replied, he did not reply like Gideon. All right? 
I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us, help us in our struggle against Amon. So when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life and went to battle without you. Getting did the same. And the Lord gave me the victory over the Ammonites. So why have you now come to fight me? The people of Ephraim responded, You men of Gilead are nothing more than fugitives from Ephraim and Manasseh. Not going to help the anger situation. So Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and attacked the men of Ephraim and defeated them. And we can read on a little bit later on in the storyline. So here we have two, two men of God that face the exact same scenario. And we have totally different results. Totally different results. Two men that had done Jephthah and Gideon had been exercised the anointing of God in their life to do something great for Christ, great for God the Father, great for the plan of God, had this great victory. The Ephraimites are standing there watching these battles go on, not investing in any of it, but when the victory's there, they want to be part of the celebration. So they compare themselves. Now, what I want to share with you is that obviously the Ephraimites were way off, way off color. There are going to be people in your workplace. There's going to be times in your marriage. There's going to be times when you in parenting. There's going to be times in your business affairs. There's going to be times in your church where there are going to be places where you're way off color. Or the person next to you or the person that's in front of you, person in children's ministry, the person in the youth ministry, the person in the praise and worship team. There's going to be people that are off color. Well, how does God expect us to respond? You know, the Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Someone who's full of wrath, you can say, well, they're just, you know, they're just full of themselves and they're wrong. Well, that's easy to see. That's exactly what Jephthah did. It's easy to go over there and deal. They're wrong. But how do you respond? What is God, and how can God work through your life to bring a celebrational moment instead of a comparison moment? Father, I just ask that you help us understand that we would celebrate lives. That's what heaven's going to be. It's never going to be a space of comparison. There are going to be angels in heaven that have greater authority, but not one angel's comparing with another. There's going to be ones that are taller and stronger, more mighty. Some got six wings, some got no wings. Because everything's different up there, and yet there's no comparisons. And here we find ourselves on this crazy planet Earth, sin inside of our nature, comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. Your word says it, that it's unwise, and yet we find ourselves in that space. God, I pray that we would have wisdom from God today. That, Lord, this application wouldn't just come through in this service, but it would be service unto you from the days forward. Unto you, God, in these unfair moments, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. If you turn your study, guys, number one, God made us to love and worship him first. God made us to love and worship him first. Start your morning out to love and worship God. Start your morning, morning out to invite him in to your life. You say, well, pastor, I invited God in my life 20 years ago. Okay. You know what, that would be like saying, you know what, I, I told my wife 35 years ago I loved her and I haven't said since. How healthy is that? Every day I tell God I love him. Every day I invite Jesus in my life. 
Every day I invite him in the presence of my day-to-day routine. I invite him as, as, God, I need your help as a pastor. I need your help in my marriage. Every single day I invite him in the garden of my decisions. Invite him in. So I can't help you if you don't listen to what God is speaking through your hearts. You're going to go through tough times in your health. You're going to go through tough times in your finances. You're going to go through tough times in decisions. Whether, you know, in fact, even these decisions that are being made in our, you know, today, whether vaccine, not vaccine, I mean, it's like the hottest topic out there right now, and people can't even think about the Olympics. It's like the funniest thing, you're going over there. What's the hottest thing over there? I mean, all of a sudden, this is what this one person did in the Olympics, and right next to it is what somebody's doing with the vaccine. I'm like, there's just, all of this stuff is in the air, and it's literally facing us every single thing. And so do not call me and say, Pastor Ron, what are you doing? Because I won't answer you. Okay? Because you need to follow what God wants you to do. God has given you a conscience to make decisions as unto him. Amen? As Amen? And let me tell you something right now is, is that it's so important that we follow who Christ is in our lives. What is God speaking? I guarantee you if Jesus shows up tomorrow, he's going, did you get the vaccine or not? That's not what he's going to say. Okay? He's going to go, is Christ living in your heart? What did you do? And, there's, and let me tell you something, if Christ is living in your heart, how many realize that you've made a lot of mistakes with him still in your heart. And so it's important for us to say, God, I want to live unto you. I want to know you. I want to worship you. I want my marriage to reflect you. And then at the end of the day, you know, I love how God would walk at the end of the day and he goes, man, it was a good day. You know what? Some of the end of the day, like yesterday, 9.30, I looked back, man, it was a rough day. And I invited you in. And then I look back, and you know what's, what amazed me? When I go through all that roughness of it, he was there. And it would have been rougher without him. That's what I'm learning. It would have been much rougher without him. But sometimes I can be just like these Ephraimites, and all of a sudden things, things are unfair. And I can, from that picture in my life, I can start getting frustrated. I can start getting you know, just angry inside because things are unfair. And then I can compare, why isn't their life as hard as mine? Why aren't they going over there? Why does it seem to be that it's easier going on over than that, that side of the woods? Or what I can do, be like Gideon and have this heart in the midst of nonsense, of humility and gentleness. Number two, a great temperature to see if you are lo- uh, loving and honoring one another is how well you do celebrate others when they succeed. I like, I'm going to use the praise and worship team if I could. All right? So, and I've seen this for years. and been in the ministry for 30 years, and I've watched, and it just seems like um, because the praise and worship team, it just seems to be a, a team where people... They just, I don't know, there's just, there's just something about it where people want to uh, aspire to, okay? And I'll never forget one of my best friends uh, who actually I was a business partner with for a little while. His name was Buddy Ash. And, uh, you know, he was just one of those guys that just wanted to, you know, he really wanted to worship God. And so he tries out in the worship team and, and he, he couldn't hold a note if his life depended on it. And I love how the worship leader just looks at and goes, Buddy, 
this isn't really a ministry that is really going to be fulfilling in your life, but you know what? I give you an A for an effort. Thank you for, and I see the worshiper inside of you, but just the vocal cords aren't working in this area. And he handled it so well because someone was a Gideon in the conversation. Someone just, just go over there and go, well, what are you even doing here? I mean, what would make you think? Who told you that you could try out? It wasn't anything like that. It was like, look at your heart for even wanting to aspire to it. We're all worshipers. And some of us have different gift set, but we're all worshipers. Amen? Number three, if you do not celebrate the differences, pride will force you to compare. I don't know what, I love to celebrate what God's doing in people's lives. I, I love it. And uh, I have a friend of mine who's, who's extremely wealthy. When I say him extremely wealthy, extremely wealthy. Could buy just about anything he wants. And yet, um, he struggles with appearance. Which means he struggles because people are always judging him. And so he will purchase and drive a car that is very, um, I'm just going to say it's not something, I, I wouldn't even want to drive it. And, but he'll do it on purpose because so many people will judge and fo- throw him in a comparison. Even though they're doing it, you know, they'll do it anyway. So he's trying so hard, he says, well, at least this is one area that they can't do that in. He's not living free. And so I'll go over there. In fact, I'll actually try to take him. Let's go to this car lot and go, let's go to these cars. He goes, I couldn't afford that. But man, you can, and then you can let me drive it. <laughs> so that's what I want to do. Because I want to celebrate what God's doing. And I, you'll find a lot of times there are pe- people that will have homes that are far away from their other home because they're so tired of people judging and comparing. Instead of people celebrating. Let me just tell you something. This is something that I want you to write this. If there's anything you can write down in the notes today, this is the one thing. Okay? Whatever level you're jealous of another in, you have just allowed the devil to rip you off in. I didn't say that God will keep it. You've allowed the devil to rip you off in. Because God doesn't work through the spirit of jealousy. He works through the spirit of celebration. And so from, you can go from glory to glory, and that's why you'll see, if I go get around people, and I have no idea what God wants to bring in my life, but let me tell you something right now, I know what the devil wants to keep from my life. And so I refuse to allow any jealousy in my life. Refuse it. And I know when it comes. And so when someone's driving a, you know what, a Lamborghini, I can only imagine <laughs> you know, driving that Lamborghini. I can only imagine getting in the wheel of that car. I can only imagine what it's going to be doing, the zero to 60 in the quarter mile. I can only imagine what it's going to do in the figure eight. I can just only imagine. That's all it's going to ever be is an imagination. All right? But the point of it is, I'm not jealous. I would celebrate with anybody that owns that. And I have. I've been in Fort Lauderdale when you see those kind of rides, and I go, nice ride, man. Nice. Or when you get into a, a beautiful home and, you know, when you go to the parade of homes and you see some of these places that are just huge spreads, you go, this yours? You go, no, I built it. Well, nice job. 
He goes, I could never afford it. I said, well, you as a builder had a creative, you know, creative art and gifting inside of you. And I'm looking, and then I pick things out, like when I'll see the trim on a window or I'll see somebody who does a fireplace spread that I've never seen before. And I'll make note of it because I see so many people go there. They, they say, well, I could never afford it. So they immediately are so jealous of it that they'll never say anything that's celebrational of it. And I'll do the exact opposite. I'll go over there and find that space I could never afford, and I'll go over there and honor that moment. Do you know what heaven's going to be like? It's going to be nothing but honor. Jesus receives all the glory, and he goes, yeah, but it all goes to God the Father. And I'm going to go take this, and I'll go to the Father with it. What an environment that would be like where we would never compare one another. We would never compare what someone drives or what some other lady's you know, wearing or, or how thin she is or how, or how thick he is or how tall he is or, or what kind of house they have or, or what do they aspire, what kind of gifting, what kind of vocal cords do they have. I'm going to tell you something. In the spirit, I can hang with Jenna. I'm a worshiper. But, but you don't want me hanging with Jenna up here. Okay? <laughs> but it's, as a worshiper in the spirit, I can. So in God's eyes... He doesn't hold me to my gifting. He holds me in the space of my heart. And what I long to do, and what now, what, why are you holding others to their gift? If God doesn't hold people to the gifting, why are you? Why are, why are you? It's because all of a sudden the only reason that you do that is because you're self-conscious. And by the way, there was never a moment of self-consciousness until sin came here. Adam and Eve didn't even know they were naked. But the minute they sinned, they were self-conscious. So if you're self-conscious about the situation, make it God-conscious. Bring it to God. I've had to bring my self-conscious and my height to God. I had to bring my, my insecurity of my marriage to God. I had to bring my, my fear and, and my, my, literally, when I made false vows, and I said I'd never adopt, and I have beautiful adoptive girls in my life, but I had to bring that vow. I've had to bring all these self places to God so that I could make it a God moment instead of a self moment. And all of us are full of self. And God's literally taking us through this journey and going, let's get a little, little less of Ron, a little more of me, a little less of Ron, a little more of me, a little less. Of, and you know what the way God does that? He's through your journey of trials. That's why he says, give thanks when you go through these trials. Because you know what the trials prove? You can't do it. You can't do it. And so a self-person goes, yes, I can. A God-conscious person says, no, I can't, but he can in me. I can't, but he can through me. Comparison leads to jealousy. In relationship, opposites attract. Over time, the positive that attracted us can become a negative. Let me just share something what I've, I've learned recently about criticism. And it's in everyone, but here's what I've learned about it. We criticize because we somehow feel devalued by the behavior or attitude around us. Critical people tend to be easily insulted and especially in need of ego defense. Critical people were often criticized in early childhood by caretakers, siblings, or peers at an age when criticism can be especially painful. So what that's telling us is in the child development stage, stage, it's so important that we give positive 
reinforcement to that child. And that that child, if, there's, if there, we allow this criticism to come in, even though you think it's a motivator, or maybe that's how you were motivated, but what we don't realize, in the moment of child development, that child begins to pick up that spirit. And when all of a sudden that child grows up, that child becomes an adult who criticizes. Now, I don't know if that's what happened to Judas. I have no idea because Judas had a critical spirit. That's really what knocked him out of the discipleship scenario. Instead of celebrating, and by the way, there were moments that all the disciples were dealing with it, but when they were confronted with their sinfulness, and you know what, Jesus goes and says, look, celebrate your differences. Celebrate your differences. Somehow, Judas was getting the same message, but his critical spirit rose up higher than his humble moment and said, you know what, I need to celebrate instead of compare. Number four, and we're almost finished. God has created each of us to become unique, so we must celebrate the uniqueness, the differences in each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 28, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body was an ear, how would you smell? But our bodies have many parts. God has put each part just where he wants it. God has put people in this church just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts of the body that seem weak and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect these parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts, we do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, the all parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. How God responds to us in our uniqueness is how we should. God never looks down at us. Never. He doesn't condemn us or ridicule us even though we're a mess. He doesn't distance himself from us. He doesn't compare us to someone who may be more disciplined or mature. He accepts us just as we are. God forgives you and accepts you because you are in Christ, and this is our example how we should treat one another. It's so, it seems like it's so much easier to hear, isn't it, than live? But I, I dare you this week to take some inventory of your life. It doesn't take me very long to do some inventory of my childhood or my adulthood and see how many times that I've allowed self to get in front of the consciousness of what God wanted. And then I have those moments where I can remember where the Lord was speaking to my heart and 
and you know, and, and it was about finances. And, and I had an opportunity, I had sold something. And uh, this person had given me the word, they're going to come up with the money, but they hadn't come up with the money. And then, then what, and I had prayed about this particular uh, asset to sell because I was adopting my girls. And then all of a sudden, this other person offers me $6,000 more for the same thing and has cash. And you know what? I began to sit there and struggle with it. And God literally brought me right to Proverbs. He says, a good name is to be sought after more than riches. Let go of the $6,000. And how many times would we, we want to justify and not realize that God was speaking and it was a test in my life. And God wanted me to hear him. And here was this test. And it was a monetary test. Or how about the time when, you know, when I failed miserably at Steelcase? And I had, what happened was there was two of us that were going through an interview process. And it was a, basically what it was is a, um, a skilled trade job. And I was, I had already, um, I went to four years of college. I was working at Steelcase. And the skilled trade job would pay, it was like a $12,000 increase in pay. Back in the 80s, that's a lot of money. Even today, it's a good lot of money. And I'm thinking, this is a great opportunity. And I put myself in for the interview. It was 1,000 applicants. It's 10,000 people in Grand Rapids, uh, Steelcase at that time. 1,000 applicants. Gets down to two of us. I'm one of them. I think I'm in. I got more college. I had more seniority. I'm in. And the other person got the job. I was so embittered. Not with the person who got the job. He was great. I was embittered with the company. I'm kicking trash cans. I got an attitude that, you know what, it's just a bad attitude. I'm acting just like Cain. I'm acting just like the Ephraimites. And it was the Lord had to work for me. I wish I could have said that, you know, I made the, you know, the right decision right away. But it was months before the Lord could even speak to me about my nonsense. And I'm thankful to God that he doesn't ever give up. And that, you know, there's so many times where we can justify our actions. Because this person had less seniority. This person had less education. Why did that person get the job? You can sit there and justify all the unfairness that you go through. And maybe your unfairness is a medical situation. Maybe your unfairness is something going on in your marriage. Maybe there's some unfairness that's going on in your, in somewhere in your social life. Maybe something on Facebook, whatever. You can sit there and measure all your unfairness and crap and get a bad attitude about it. Yourself can rise up and take care of self. Or you can just do what the Bible says, die to yourself. And one of the things I've learned about death is dead people don't feel anything. And so God's place of maturity. So here, when you're the most mature, is people can poke at you and you don't respond. So when God looks at someone, he doesn't look at, wow, look at how gifted you are. Look at how great a speaker you are. Look at how great your marriage is. Or look at how, you know, how prosperous you are. Or look at how healthy you are. How, he doesn't look at all that. He looks at how dead you are. Because how dead you are means how alive you can be to him. That's how it works. You're either dead to yourself and alive to him, or you're alive to yourself and dead to him. That's the, that's the, that's the journey. You say, well, Pastor Ron, what's the journey of Christianity? It's less of me or dying to me 
and living for him. And all those steps and those unfair moments and those unjust situations and those spaces of people poking, whether it's the devil or people or whatever, how did you respond? Father, thank you, Lord, for just the journey. Lord, it can be so painful to see what I look like, to realize how immature I can be, how selfish I am, or how we are. But I'm so grateful for you, Holy Spirit, that can live in our lives. And in this journey, die to self and live for you. I'm gonna pray a prayer of surrender. I want all of you to join with me and then we're gonna worship God together. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life. And I thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I receive his love, his hope, his forgiveness in my life. I'm all yours, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.